Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Black Door Music Argument. Today we are discussing a phenomenon that swept the country and the world in the late 1970s. The bluesmen from Rock Island, Illinois, Jake and Elwood Blues, the Blues Brothers. For a handful of very special years, these men took classic blues songs fronted by a blues band assembled by melt-like talented musicians who had changed the very face and history of music. Sadly, in 1982, Jake passed on to blues heaven, but the blues lives on with Elwood and a rotating band of great musicians. So without further delay, the Black Door Music Argument podcast presents the Blues Brothers. We're on a mission from God. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. We are on a mission from God. You know, I've yeah, said this. Uh, I'm Barry, by the way. And I'm DJ. And uh, welcome to this week's episode of the Black Door Music uh, Argument. As you can tell from our uh, music annu- uh, our announcer there, we are, we're going to be discussing the Blues Brothers today, which I've mentioned um, before on the podcast as one of my early uh, musical uh, influences. Uh, my dad had the uh, had the record uh, briefcase full of blues, and um, I re- and then he recorded that onto reel to reel tape, and then onto uh, ultimately um, cassette tape. Because um, here's a, here's a little tip: uh, cassettes didn't uh, exist in the mass market when I was born. Uh, but I remember riding around with a battery operated uh, cassette player. Now, <laughs> this is like those old cassette players that you see where you know. It's like a desktop model, you know, it takes eight double A batteries. It's got the cassette that pops out and it's got a mono speaker, you know, that, that type of cassette player. And I had it over my handlebars and riding around the driveway. And then, um, my dad came home from work and noticed I was listening to the blues brothers, which he was like, okay, fine. And then shotgun blues came on and he was like, maybe we should turn that off. He didn't have a problem with me listening to it. He had a problem with the neighbors knowing that I was listening to a song which features drug use and suicide as its major themes. Uh, nice. DJ, how, how did you get into the Blues Brothers? Yeah, that's a good question because, I mean, I was born and grew up in the era of portable CD players, so not mm-hmm. the... Um, although, I do know what a cassette is. The first car I drove had a cassette player because it was built in like nine, yeah, it was what, a 97 Ford Escort wagon. Right. But, that's where you plugged in the cassette, the CD adapter, right? Oh, no. I, by, by the time I was driving in high school, I plugged in like the little um, iPhone adapter or the phone oh, adapter so you could like plug your iPod or whatever in and it'd be like the headphone jack. So I'd be listening to the Blues <laughs> Brothers in my car. But yeah, so like the Blues Brothers, I didn't really... I mean, I guess I'd probably heard of them growing up, but it wasn't like your dad or your story where like my parents listened to them a lot. It was, I think it was at like Christmas when I was in sixth grade, um, a couple of my uncles were just like quoting the movie and just laughing about it. And it sounded hilarious to me. I think they were talking about the scene with, um, when they go to, uh, ask the penguin, Oh yeah, um, yeah. Or yeah, see how the penguins doing, and they're like, "Yeah, we'll get it, we'll get the money." I'm like this sounds hilarious. So then, yeah, I like went home and bought the movie or found a way to watch it, and then like I got hooked from the first time I saw it. Um, it was just one of those movies I watched like on repeat. Yeah. So yeah, my first introduction was like from the movie, um, and then yeah, I went back and listened to the music. I think I ended up buying that. Um, vinyl on CD. Would that be the soundtrack like or junior high? Full yeah, of blues. the briefcase full of blues. Okay. Yeah, the one you're talking you know, about. The, the briefcase full of blues is not the movie soundtrack. Yeah, to be clear. So yeah, that came out two years before the movie. Uh, yeah, seventy eight, right? Yep. 
and uh, I mean, I have the soundtrack. I don't actually have the briefcase full of blues on vinyl, but I, I need to sort search that out. I do listen to it now and then. I'll go home, and my dad's still got it on vinyl, and we'll we'll pop it on. And now that nice. now that vinyl's back and alive in our households, we've been you know pulling that out every time uh, every time we get visiting. So uh, yeah, you know, back before you know VHS was popular and in every home and was the main way people watched TV. I know some people going. What? Wait, VHS? You, you What's VHS? VHS is a video cassette. A lot of times uh, people don't understand it. Now, it is post-Betamax. I'm not that old. Uh, but uh, pre-VHS, uh, pre uh, you know, the movies you wanted to watch, you kind of had to look at the, the newspaper and, and figure out what was going to be playing uh, coming up that week. So, like, uh, you know, the, some shows were kind of on every year. Like the... Uh, uh, Oh, I, it's, I, I don't have my glasses on my head. I can't is see it, anything. It, uh, the, uh, what's, uh, it's the... Well, this is like... Wizard is this of Oz. How, like, Wizard of Oz oh, yeah. was like on every year. Superman yep. was on like every year or maybe the newest Superman. But one of the movies that seemed to be on like every year was the Blues Brothers. And it's one of those things where, well, A, we would typically watch like the Friday night or the Sunday night movie, you know, my, my parents mm -hmm. had kids, they didn't go out, you know, didn't, you know, corrals at bars, uh, taking a bunch of kids, to the movies is expensive. I mean, this is mm -hmm. kind of after the, uh, you know, drive-in theaters kind of died away. So, I mean, I remember going to drive-in theaters back in the heyday, but, uh, once we moved to a smaller town that didn't have a driver drive-in theater, uh, you know, going to the movies was a big deal. You know, I remember, very specifically, you know, the movies we went to, we didn't go to my, my kids have seen more movies now. My son's nine than I probably saw all the way through high school. Um, yeah, but, uh, so, you know, watching network TV with the cut for, uh, edited for content and edited for time because man, I was so amazed at how every movie always ended up lasting exactly two hours with commercials included. <laughs> It was it was magic. I'm like, wow, these directors in Hollywood are great. Whatever story it is, only later I'm did just... I. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead, and then I have a thought. Only later later did I realize that oh, <laughs> these networks and uh, UHF channels are cutting these movies up just to fit their schedule, and that's that. Uh, especially once you actually get into VHS. And I remember in high school, I bought the Blues Brothers movie on VHS. Finally saw it with all its uh, swear words, all it. You know, yeah, full that's what I was time. gonna say. I'm just, I'm trying to wrap my head around um, seeing the movie for the first time without like fuck and shit and like the whole yeah. like yeah, well, like the, I was talking yeah, about the, the whole, penguin scene. The that's penguin the scene. hilarious part fuck, of that shit. scene. Oh, yeah, because every yeah. time they sweat. Uh, so if people are uninitiated, if people haven't seen the movie, they go to see the penguin. The penguin is a nun. They're talking to the nun, and <laughs> Jake said. Uh, the penguin says, uh, we need, what is it? $5,000. Yeah. To save we the orphanage. $5,000 to save in. the orphanage. And he said, all right, Jake, let's go get it. And she said, we, I will not be taking your filthy money from your crimes. And he said, well, it looks like you're up shit Creek. And she whacks him with a ruler. <laughs> yep. And then, and then she, he, she says, excuse me, Jake, what did you say? You told me you needed money. I offered my help. You declined my help. So I said, 
looks like you're a shit creek. Creek. Whack. And at that time, Elwood goes, Jake, you can't fucking swear in front of the fucking penguin. Yeah, he's like, Christ, Jake. And and then it's shit, fuck, god damn it, shit, fuck. And the whole time she's hitting him. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, it's one of those scenes where you like start watching it. Like I remember the first time I saw it, and still, each time it's hilarious. But the first time I couldn't stop laughing for like a good three minutes. Some of the scenes are just like the the most ridiculous ones, where like, um, you know, they're sitting in the men's hotel in Elwood's room, sleeping. Carrie Fisher blows up the fucking building. With a rocket just, just like just as the police had pulled up in the front, and I can't yeah. remember if the Nazis were there too, but not yet. No, just after the building collapses because of Carrie Fisher launches a missile into the building, they stand up, brush off. We got to get going, and they look at their watch. I'm gonna be just, late for work. <laughs> and then the state yeah. police get uh, dust themselves off, and uh, it's just I mean, yep. and no laugh track, no no musical cues. It's just deadpan funny and this is one of those movies where it's just plain funny i mean you know Mm -hmm. we're we're gonna talk about the music we're gonna talk about the the uh people who are in the band but i mean everybody needs to remember that that you know john belushi and and uh oh elwood now dan Aykroyd. dan Aykroyd. uh were are or were the funniest people alive at that time in, the, yeah. in a time of seriously funny people, in a time of people who really understood comedy, yeah. they were about the funniest people on earth. And man, to lose that team up because they did several movies together and, you know, they were really searching. And, uh, you know, it, it's sad that we lost that, but it's so great that we get to, you know, relive and celebrate that uh, that uh, time. So you were just mentioning how you were uh, you were watching the uh, the S- old SNL clip. So why don't you bring up, why don't we talk about how they started? Yeah, I was going to bring that up too, just talking about like the comedy and the movie because they started out as, I'm sure a lot of you know, as an SNL act. Um, I was actually listening to an interview, I think about a month ago, maybe a couple months ago, but um, Rob Lowe, so he was in like West Wing and like The Outsiders and stuff pretty famous actor. Um, he was interviewing Jim Belushi. So John's younger brother. Mm -hmm. And they were just like reminiscing on the blues brothers and stuff. And I guess Jim was talking about how, when the, when, uh, the band, so the blues brothers, so Dan and Jake, and then, uh, the rest of the guys like Donald Duck Dunn was on bass, Macatar Murphy, Mm -hmm. um, Tom Bones, Malone, Blue Lou Marini, um, Alan Rubin on trumpet, Mr. Fabulous, a couple other guys I'm probably missing, but they, yeah, Steve, um, Steve Cropper was a big one. Yep, Steve Cropper. Yeah. Lead guitar. But yeah, so they like had this band formed already. Um, and they would like just play random gigs like at different blues clubs in New York. And they, because they had already played together as the blues brothers, um, Ackroyd and Belushi, when uh, the SNL guys asked them about bringing their band to play on the show, because I mean, they're already like the lead actors on the show. Um, they were like, yeah, we're already a band. Um, you have to like treat us like any other recording artist that, or like any outside band that would come on. So 
instead of getting paid like the comedian rate, they got paid the guest musician rate, which was a lot more at the time. Right. So yeah. Yeah. So that was something like I didn't know until I listened to that um interview and like I think it's pretty cool and like sets a precedent for yeah, the future yeah. and like other groups and stuff. So. Well, one of the really cool things is um so you got these cool you know, kids, I mean, they're in their early twenties hanging around New York. They're from uh, Chicago and Canada from these smaller towns where they were, you know, doing, uh, screwing around with some music, screwing around with comedy, getting, you know, making their, uh, earning their stripes. They get to New York and they're seeing more money on the, t uh, in their wallet than they'd have ever seen put together uh, in their life. And what does Dan Aykroyd decide he wants to do? Uh, he he uh, buys a blues bar, and so the Blues Brothers are obviously playing that place. Can you imagine in 1978, 1970, Hot Nine, hanging out at Dan Aykroyd's private blues bar? Man. From what I understand, this is not like oh, you know, Dan Aykroyd's blues bar. Come on in, have a drink. No, it's like by invitation, and it sounded like you know you were invited, and there was no tab. You know, it was I could be wrong there, but from from all the uh, you know what what they're saying about it is basically it was a clubhouse yeah. for him so i don't know if he was actually charging people for drinks but uh yeah it, that would have been and you know it was the toast of the town so you know all the big talent coming to town all you know anybody who's anybody wanted to be seen in that room and so the you know the the elbows that got rubbed in that room to be a part of that would have been mm -hmm. just spectacular i mean mm -hmm. you got the smartest the quickest the brightest people in new york all meeting in this blues band and mm -hmm. uh and yeah it was it was exciting i i, I watched the uh documentary how was it on hbo and now i should look it up because to make sure it's good uh the uh john belushi documentary that just came out recently oh yeah i gotta watch that it's either on like showtime or hbo or something like that yeah but yeah uh on showtime uh okay i just wanted to make sure i, I, I said that was correct we, yeah when you, when you pay for too much TV, you never know where it's on. I was like, oh, I was that's watching true. something on Netflix. And somebody's like, <laughs> yep. actually, that's on Hulu. Oh, I'm so, yep. whatever. <laughs> you know, it's a, one of those things you pay for. But um, they were saying that at the time, uh, you know, John Belushi was started to, you know, rub elbows, talk the blues with all kinds of these great uh, blues musicians and blues collectors. And he's apparently amassed one of the greatest uh, blues record collections you know anybody had ever seen at the mm -hmm. time and uh we'll talk briefly about that at the end remind me if i don't yeah get yeah. back to it but i want to i want to hit on something but let's go back so i think everybody probably knows and has an idea of who paul schaefer is you know he played for uh dave letterman and uh his late night band forever you know obviously you know he's been in so many projects uh over the years a huge talent uh lou marini uh no not lou marini who was i talking about um oh alan rubin he was a uh juilliard trained trumpet player yeah. uh tom malone actually tom malone i got to meet once um in college at ndsu uh one of my uh, uh band professors was an actual friend of his unfortunately cool. i was 20 at the time because they came to town and um, my uh, my professor played trombone as well, and they went to uh, like the blues club in Fargo, North Dakota. Everybody listening, they're going, "What? 
Fargo at the Blues <laughs> Club? I, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was like Dan Eckrod's place, but <laughs> where it was invitation only. But there's Tom Bones Malone, a bunch of music professors, a bunch of music majors all hanging out. From what I heard, basically, the NDSU music department took over this bar, and I was 20, so I couldn't go. I was so angry. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, let me tell you, cool. uh, my band professors... When I got it, when I had a chance to go see them play, oh my God, they, you know, cause these guys live music, you know, their, their whole life is music. Mm-hmm. They love it. They practice it. They listen to different things. They try different things. So even, you know, in their forties and fifties, they were cutting edge and they were playing, you know, as tight as possible. And they were, you know, they were, they were just, you know, they were living the the blues lifestyle even you know even though they're college professors so it was really cool but um and then uh let's see so we've got steve cropper and duck dunn sorry donald dunn was known as duck dunn um Mm -hmm. they i believe both played for stacks records steve cropper Mm -hmm. uh was the guitar of note on green onions and he's listed as uh has writing credit on that for his part yeah, so, Booker T and the MGs, right? Yep. They were the yep. room section for them. Yep, that was the uh, Stax house band. And so it was, uh, you know, these guys are just not only being musicians on their own, but these guys are rec- on countless recording sessions with yeah. with bands they're not even associated with because they mm-hmm. were the they were the band at, at the uh, at the Stax record house. So um and yeah, it, they were some of the best musicians at that yeah, time. Yeah. And just they, yeah, I think in like yeah, rock blues history. And it's funny, um from what I understand, uh Steve Crapper and and Donald Dunn w- had a lifelong friendship. Um they kind of met mm-hmm. when they were young at Stax Records. They kind of toured around after that. And after Blues Brothers and and some other things, they were they're basically touring around. And if I remember right, uh, see I should really look this up. So, I be, uh Steve Cropper's still alive. Yeah. I think Donald Duck Dunn died two or yeah. three years ago, maybe four years ago now. I yeah. don't know. Time's kind of been relative this past year. So. Right. I think it was more, <laughs> well, it was 2012. And they were, oh. from from what I read, they were in, uh, in uh, and if anybody's seen the Blues Brothers, uh, Donald Dunn is the bass player who's smoking the pipe all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> Uh, so there you go, kids. Don't smoke pipes. Um, but uh, I believe they were in in Japan on tour, and uh, you know he just didn't report for for duty the next day, and they found him in his room. But uh, you know it's great to see these guys. And see, see, this is the thing. When I was in college, I had this huge. You know, I was always a fan, but in college, I I had this huge um, Blues Brothers kind of thing where you know, like the VHS tape was sitting in my vcr and if i can't when i came back from class i wouldn't turn on the tv i would just turn on the blues brothers mm-hmm. and and you know start reading my assignments or whatever so the blues brothers was movie was on all the time nice and i also had like the best of the blues brothers cd which had it had basically briefcase full of blues minus the songs that aren't that great on it and there are a couple <laughs> and uh and then some of the cool, the best songs from the soundtrack. And uh, what songs don't you like on that one? Well, let's get down to it. Let's uh, let's go find uh, the briefcase. What's your opinion on Rubber Biscuit? 
That's awesome. Yeah, I like it too. Um, I feel like that one could be like super polar because I remember like when I heard it the first time, I was like, what the heck is this? <laughs> but like it's definitely one that's grown on me over the years. Yeah. Well, th- see, the other thing is um, that song was one my dad would kind of sing, you know, too. Oh, okay. Car. So, so, uh, Can't Turn You Loose, obviously mm-hmm. one of the best mm-hmm. intros. I mean, if, if, if you're having trouble getting out of bed, you know, play Can't Turn mm-hmm. You Loose on a speaker mm-hmm. and I dare you to try to snuggle into your, I mean, you mm-hmm. just want to jump out and make, and, and hug life. Hey, Bartender, uh, by Floyd mm-hmm. Dixon, obviously one of the, the be- their best songs. Messing with the Kid, just by Junior Wells, fantastic. Uh, Everything I Need, it's pretty good. Uh, Rubber Biscuit, uh, it's a novelty song, but it's it's hilarious. Shotgun Blues, um, there's some great guitar by Matt Guitar Murphy on that. He's got that Gibson SG just, uh, uh, just you know, just singing. And then, you know, you've got... Uh, You've got Jake singing the blues, and by, by you know his troubled life, we know that he lived them. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. Oh, sorry. Here it is. Groove me. <laughs> you don't like that one? Nope. Oh and I'll man. Tell you, and I'll tell you that's why. one of my favorites. Uh, the song's okay, but what really gets me is the bad Jamaican patois at the beginning. Oh yeah, uh, that's true. I mean. That Not is only is it bad, but it would be considered, you know, a crime these days to do that on an album. Mm. Uh, it's, uh, you know, full of, you know, Jamaican, uh, you know, doing drug stereotypes, which is hilarious. That's very because, true. Yeah. I mean, every I think everybody knows at this point that Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi were like big into cocaine for a long time. And then mm-hmm. later, uh, John heroin, which mm-hmm. had a sad ending. Uh, but yeah, so, um, I don't know. That's a good one. Soul man. It's good. Uh, B movie boxcar blues is pretty good. Flip flop so and fly. With, with the B with B movie boxcar blues. Um, I made a mixtape or yeah, like mixed CD for my dad one year for yeah. his birthday. Just a bunch of different songs I got on iTunes. Um, and I bought Soul Man and like this version of like this live version of Soul Man. Mm-hmm. So I put it on there um, and I think I put it like right ahead of, I don't know, must have been like a Tears for Fears song or something like that. But so it'd be Soul Man and then it'd be like Jake at the end is like, and now here's the next one. B-movie, Boxcar Blues. And then it goes into his, like yeah. whatever other song it was. And my dad, every time he heard it, he's like, that's not that song. <laughs> So that's what I think of every time I hear B-Movie Boxcar and a- Blues. Actually, B-Movie Boxcar Blues, that's one, it's a little rough, but it's a really good song. And um, Flip Flop and Fly is good. And of course, then the the closing t- mm-hmm. can turn you loose. I mean, so really, it's mostly just, I think, like Groove groove Me just, just hits me like a wet rag. Every yeah, I get what you're saying on there. It's just... It's like, yeah, yeah. It's it. You know what? If they would have had a guest musician, or if they would have just sang it straight blues, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I because look, you're gonna have these blues songs, and you're gonna sing them in your own style. But faking that Jamaican patois is, it's, and you know, it's it's funny because, uh, I, I was at to Jamaica 
last year finally well actually just about a year ago this year on vacation we went to the north shore of minnesota nearly the same us too (laughs) (laughs) um but you know you kind of really get an idea of that you know that jamaican patois is more than just a a, a regionalism it's really you know this it's the language of the people and it's way more than you know when people want to say it or speak like it you it's way different because you know if you hear someone speaking in the patois and they're not making it I mean, they can make it their own language. They can talk around you so that you as a white person have no idea what they're saying because they mm-hmm. have slang mm-hmm. and other things that they're throwing in there. Mm-hmm. And with the accent, you you will not get it. And so... Yeah. I wonder with that song, how much of it was just like a nod to um, Bob Marley because that was pretty much the height of the Whalers, like 78. And yeah. They got really no, big. I that was around the that. time of Exodus, I think. And I think, you know, I think times are different. Like back then they would have said, oh, yeah, yeah. we're going to do that as a tribute to Bob Marley. And these yeah. days people would be like, oh, my God, they're doing that. And they're making fun of Bob Marley, which I yeah. don't think they would have made fun of Bob Marley. I don't think no. that's what yeah. they would have done. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're probably right. It's just and here's the thing, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'm part of cancel culture. I'm just like, it's not. Look, it's the Dr. Seuss book I'm not into. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, staying current. Um, anyway, uh, so, so yeah, those are the songs on that, that, you know, I, if you listen, honestly, you got any kind of music service and you want to get into the blues brothers briefcase full of blues is where you want to start the movie Mm -hmm. soundtrack's great. There's nothing Mm -hmm. wrong with the movie soundtrack, but the movie soundtrack has so many guest artists, which is funny to say, cause it's a movie cause everybody's guest in a movie. Um, but there's so many guest artists that, um, you know, you can't really say it's the blues brothers. So just saying that let's, let's take a look at, uh, the, the blues brothers soundtrack. Yeah. So the first I'll start off on this one. So the first song she caught the Katie, that's a song that I actually grew up listening to quite a bit. My dad is a big Taj Mahal fan. Um, he actually saw him. He always talks about this concert he went to when he was in college back, actually around the time that he was in the college, like right when the Blues Brothers were big, so like the late 70s, graduated in 1980, but he was at the U of M and he went and saw Taj Mahal at Northrop Auditorium, and he ended up, it was like a um, seven or eight o'clock concert, and my dad didn't get out of there till like two in the morning, he just like kept playing, (laughs) and kept, yeah, it was like a four or five hour concert, but um Taj Mahal does a version of She Caught the Katie. Um I'm not sure if he's the original writer of this song, but that's the song I know and like I knew before I saw the Blues yeah. Brothers the first time. So yeah, and, this is definitely one of my favorites on the album because of that connection. And if you're wondering, She Caught the Katie is the, how the Blues Brothers movies uh starts. Yeah. It's got this, you know, guitar in the background and then the band comes in dun, dun. but uh let's see she caught the kd blue standard written by taj mahal yeah and james okay, cool. rochelle so yeah that's awesome uh, you know what i might yeah. have to run down the taj mahal because i've i've listened to yeah, a little taj mahal out. recently it's kind of like that's the great thing about the internet you know there's all these yeah. there's so many musical groups and, and artists that you can't know them all but now mm-hmm. if you if you want to you can just 
throw it into YouTube and get a taste of what it is. And then if you want to go, yeah. okay, well now I'm going to go figure out on Apple music or, or whatever your favorite music provider is and find it. And then if you really like it, you know, you go get a, a high def version or something and, uh, or a, a record. So yeah, no, uh, totally awesome there. Yeah. Then and I think got, too, j- just yeah. on that, it's really cool. Like, especially looking at a group like the blues brothers who like, they're obviously like great musicians, like we talked about, but even like Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi, like you're going to talk about later, um, Barry John's record collection, but like Dan grew up in Canada and would like hang yeah. out at a blues bar and sing along with like Colin Wolf and yeah. uh, who's the other guy? Shoot. Muddy Waters. Mm-hmm. But just like like these like blues artists that were huge, not only for the Blues Brothers, but even just like early rock and roll. And yeah. I'll bring up you the Beatles now, too. But just like being able now to like go back, like when you read about these people and like like you were saying, just like trace the musical influences and figure out how everything connects right. together is pretty awesome. Well, you know, what also is interesting. I mean, especially right now where this is uh what March 7th 2021 we're recording and you know we've been in you know uh COVID land for a year now and uh and you really miss like because obviously we talked about like big concerts but I mean every little town (laughs) across the country probably around the world has got a bar and Mm -hmm. every almost every bar in the world has got musical acts that come in now some of them are kind of so many of them so many of them you go and you see these cover bands and yeah did they write their own music no are they completely ripping off whatever the people did on the album absolutely (laughs) but they're not pretending to be anything they learned how to play their instruments they love that music and they want to give people a live experience and so that's how dan Aykroyd, that's how john belushi that's how so many people learn to love music and you don't need to be going to see the biggest act in the country. If you go down and see live music playing at your local bar or go one town over, or you want to see some, uh, you know, Chicago blues and you, you know, you take a trip to Chicago and you just go to bars in Chicago. I mean, Mm -hmm. I used to go to Chicago for work now and then, and uh, I usually stay near the house of blues and I just stop in there and you know Mm -hmm. what, whoever was playing, was just fucking awesome yeah and uh they're covering the standards and they are exactly who they want to be they're a guy playing the blues in front of live audience and there's nothing wrong with that so this is my advertisement for live music and you know what music too (laughs) if yeah if you want to get a guitar and start playing talk to a friend who who, who's got one they're not that expensive you can get a you just get something where the fretboard works for you. Take lessons. Mm-hmm. There's my ad for local music, taking lessons, learning good music, because people have to learn music. Or if you want to do the electronic stuff that I hate, do that too. <laughs> There's got to be another one of them. All right, back to uh, back to the Blues Brothers soundtrack. Uh, Peter Gunn theme by the Blues Brothers band. Pretty uh, uh, cut and dry there. Uh, mm-hmm. Give me some lovin'. Which was that on Saturday Night Live? I forget. It might have been. It wasn't on the first one. Okay. But maybe, I, I can't remember. Did they come back for another? Or were they yeah. just on that one time as the then musical act? Then they got act? Shake Your Tail Feather with... Uh, yeah, Ray um, Charles. Ray Charles. Yeah. Everybody Needs Somebody to Love, Blues Brothers. Yeah. And then uh, <laughs> the old landmark featuring yep. James Brown, Reverend James Cleophus. Cle- yep, Cleophus. <laughs> 
You go down and see, get some churching. You get you wise, go, you get to church. You get down and see Brother Cliffus. Hear what he has to say. Oh, one of my yep. favorites. This this is the best reason to buy the Blues Brothers soundtrack, Think, by yep. Aretha Franklin. So oh, my funny, God. Yeah, funny story about this song. So I, I've been doing this fundraiser concert with a group of friends from high school. We're in, speaking of cover music, we're like pretty much just a cover band, but we've been together since, I don't know, probably seventh, eighth grade. Mm -hmm. um, but we just pretty much get together for this one concert each year. It would, we would just be wrapping up today, actually, if it was happening this year, but thanks, COVID. Um, but yeah, a couple of years ago, we were playing this show, and it's always us and three other bands um, in Owatonna. It's called the Hometown Sampler. But each band does like five different songs. And a couple of years ago, one of the bands did um, Think. Yeah. So, like the, but the original Aretha version. So it's a little bit slower than this. Right. So they did the song and stuff. And then um, one of uh, one of the guys in my band, the drummer, he was making a comment about the song, like on the mic when we were on stage. And he was like, <laughs> How about that song, Freedom, by Sung by Vianna Bullet? And like, I couldn't miss the opportunity. So I went up to the mic and I was like, Ben. You you better think 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 about what you're gonna say into that microphone before you start talking, because <laughs> the song's <laughs> called Think. So yeah. Anyway, it's kind of a random aside, but yeah. Well, I tell you what, story. I I great got great song. I when I found that record in a used record store, I was like, oh yes, cleaned it up, put it down, and I looked. Mm -hmm. Did I start with side one? She caught the caddy. Oh no, I start with side two think track one on side two it's just fantastic uh then you know this is one of the things that probably really sucked me into the movie when i was young they go to this bar um what, what was it country bobs yeah, bob's country bunker bob's country bunker it's and, got like an arby's hat on the outside yeah and like move side to side in neon <laughs> and they're like oh we got both kinds of music yep. we got country and, was and western yeah country and western yeah and it, and they're like what and then so they start playing their normal set and they well, get the power they're filling in because there's a band that's supposed they're to come they're not filling the in boys they're stealing yep. the spot oh yeah definitely <laughs> they're literally driving around until they find a place that's supposed to have a bar they have a band yep. and just jumping in <laughs> so they start playing rawhide uh and uh well, well they then, start with don't don't they start with I can't turn you loose and then like they start with can't turn you loose and then they, they cut the power. power yeah and then people throw beer bottles and at then, the chicken wire in front of them. To see, this is the the beautiful part about it, and uh, you know the band doesn't get a lot of talking points, but in that one, there's like, yeah, hey, what's that? Uh, what's that song from the old rowdy, you know, something show? And he's like, uh, uh theme song from Rawhide, yeah. What key? Yeah. A. A is good country key. And that's like, <laughs> that just shows you like what musicians are, yeah. you know? They're like, oh, we're going to play this. Because they're not even like, you know, if you listen to it, there's the bass line, there's the drums, mm -hmm. and there's a little bit. But then there's a, just a lot of fills. And mm -hmm. and what you need to know is what key you're in. You know, what what pattern on the guitar neck are you going to yeah. be improvising on? And and that, that, that just always shows that, you know, it's like, because and that I think that's one of the beautiful things about uh, the blues or, you know, probably other music. But it's so it seems like blues is such a model that it's it's 
it's this big. And if you tell somebody we're doing blues in A, I can I can play along to blues in A on a guitar. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be doing anything great, but I, I could be right there. I can be on rhythm and I can be on key. And mm-hmm. but it's also you get this this thing and yet there's this room for freedom and movement and even going a little out not too far because you can't you can you make it a little wonky but you got to make you still fit in there and that's why i i think the blues is such a great uh you know kind of thing because it just makes you feel good you know whether you're feeling bad or whether you're feeling great it's it's the kind of sound that that you that you want to hear mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. i think it, it from not time to time i think everybody needs the blues but mm-hmm. then we come around to one of my favorites, and this got me going down uh, a big hole. But uh, many of the moocher, mm-hmm. not playing yet. Uh, but um, where's? Hold on, I just lost all my notes. Cab Calloway, who are you talking about? Largest, you know, big national acts. Cab Calloway in the '30s was, you know, was on top. You know, he was making his bank, uh, I believe, in New York. He was well-known. He had this this act that couldn't just is fantastic. I bought a couple of compilation CDs, and there's just so much content there. Of course, we know him for Minnie the Moocher. And why do we know him for Minnie the Moocher? I think the Blues Brothers. Without the Blues mm-hmm. Brothers, no one would know Minnie the Moocher. But now, but pretty yeah. much everybody in the country knows Minnie the Moocher, you know? Are you, are you have any history with Callaway or any of that stuff? Pretty that's much kind of just ba- the song, yeah. Back in the big, if you think about it. Like, I mean, like, he was a huge musician in his own yeah. right, too. But, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't think I would have heard of him. Well, I probably, yeah. I mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, it would have been a note. the gateway to him. Yeah. You're like, uh, in the newspaper. I might have found oh, him. Yeah. Callaway died? Oh, I guess he was a musician. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that's one of the this things, like, you know, um, Obviously, the Blues Brothers, as a musical group, you know, it's not like, you know, going to see, um, I'm just throwing out names of big draws, like Bon Jovi. It's going to fill, you know, a stadium, right? Even now. It's been that way since the 80s. Uh, Cab Calloway might have filled a club. Mm -hmm. But then he was in this movie, and now still, like 20 years after his death, Everybody in America knows who he is. And I just think this, you know, you don't need to be quoting this movie line for line, but this movie is such an American touchstone that I think yeah. it's still, you know, the repercussions of this act in this movie are still, you know, coming around. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Oh, Stand By Your Man. <laughs> <laughs> that That's a f- comedy mm-hmm. gold is right there. Yeah. Uh, Sweet Home Chicago featured in it, but not performed in it. Um, yeah, it's right at the end. That's the song that they like. They're at the ballroom, and they—that's when they sneak out. Yeah, and like go. Yeah, yeah, and I believe it's through. They turn it back on during the car chase. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. When they're driving to Chicago, <laughs> and then one of the the one of the best <laughs> times of the, the first of all the movie is gold. I need to see it again. I haven't mm-hmm. seen it probably in a year. The girl from Ipanema. While they're yeah. standing in the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> I oh. forgot about that. So uh, you, 
the I think the last time I was in or not the last time, two times ago I was in Chicago. I found that building, the Cook County Assessor's Office. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like the exact spot where the blues mobile breaks down, like right before they go in and like where it, they yeah. call in like the National Guard and everything in the SWAT team. Like I took a picture by it just where the car broke down. But Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Well, what I love too is now you have to kind of be a little bit of a geek about it. But if you look at all like the, the, the you know, the obviously it wasn't the actual National Guard for the movie. And yeah. what shows up is all World War II era vehicles. That's true. Yeah, they're they're all World War II. You know, they're like Sherman tanks. I mean, this is yeah. 1980. Yep. You know, yep. I mean, we didn't have Sherman tanks in. I don't even know if they had Sherman tanks in Korea in the 50s, but certainly shortly after they were, you know, onto more modern tanks. Uh, but it, it's funny, you know, they just and all the guys going hut 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 hut. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> they must have bought so much fucking rappelling rope to do those yeah. building scenes. That must have been so much fun. I don't know if you've gone rock climbing or anything, but rappelling yeah. down. Yeah, rappelling's a ton of fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All these guys yeah. rappelling down Chicago, downtown yeah. Chicago. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I just think it's, yeah, incredible how they did that. And, like, even the chase down Lower Wacker Drive. Oh, just yeah. Just, like, I don't even know if, like, that a movie like that on that scale could happen today. Right like in Chicago. Yeah, and obviously you can walk, look at it, it's it's overcranked, but they're still going pretty fast. And yeah, uh, uh, I mean, because you can you can tell they're a little, but yeah, yeah, you walk down Lower Wacker Drive and you're like, I don't, I mean, people are going fast enough. I don't want them yeah. going any faster. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. That reminds me once, like, so uh, Carol and I haven't been to Chicago a lot, but like when I turned forty, we decided to go for a long weekend. We saw. Uh, what Hamilton and stuff, and mm-hmm. and uh, we we're watching walking along Lower Wacker Drive for a short period of time, and it was about you know ten at night, and uh, she was like, "Why doesn't anybody clean up all this garbage?" I was like, uh, "Well, it's really cold, Carolyn, and those are homes." And she's like, "Oh, mm-hmm. she didn't quite mm-hmm. get that. We were walking by probably sixty homeless people sleeping." Mm-hmm. And, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but, uh, I was just like, let's just keep walking, keep walking. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, don't make any comment. We just, we just want to make our way through here and not Mm -hmm. come across anybody. (laughs) So, but, uh, uh, the fun, fun things about big cities. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that's really jailhouse rock at the end. Oh yeah. Jailhouse rock. That's a good scene. So now I don't know if I've told you, but. I actually saw uh, the Blues Brothers live not too long ago. Um, nice. I Were, saw. Was that when they came to Treasure Island? Yep. Okay. Yeah. That was that like that was New Year's Eve. Yes, it 2019 was. Twenty nineteen to twenty twenty, right? Yeah. 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 Uh, and no, twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen. Oh, okay. Um, but you know, yeah, that's right. I'm always a little leery because you know sometimes you see these older people performing their art and you're like well, what kind of show am i getting but you know whatever it nothing else i'm gonna be in the same room as dan Aykroyd and jim belushi for an hour mm-hmm. let me tell you I had so much fun you got jim belushi and dan Aykroyd, and believe you me uh no matter what you think about their art 
neither of these men ever, ever have to work again. Mm-hmm. You know, they are wealthier than than they need. They're out there performing because they love to perform. They need to be in front of an audience. They want to perform. They want mm-hmm. to be an act. And you got these guys, I mean, you know, what are they, the mid to late 60s, jumping around in black suits under hot lights, sweating through these shitty suits, <laughs> you know, wearing the outfits, wearing the hats that don't quite fit right, the Ray-Bans, singing, jumping around, you know, Dan Aykroyd no longer does, uh, you know, cartwheels, but oh my God, what a fun night. <laughs> They were out there given, 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 given all night long. Mm-hmm. And they just like always before, they're playing with a smaller band, but a well manicured band. Everybody in there is got a great little, you know, spot. They got a couple people to, you know, in the middle of their act to kind of have a, a break where they have a couple of the musicians sing some songs. And you're kind of like, oh, too bad. You know, Dan Aykroyd and Jim Belushi aren't singing these songs. And you're like. Oh, wow. C- can these guys just mm. sing the rest of the time? You know, Dan Aykroyd can play mm-hmm. a tambourine or mm-hmm. something while this guy sings because he's <laughs> w- wonderful. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi always knew who they were. They were comedians doing an act and they happened to, upon this thing. And, you know, just like you said, the Blues Brothers uh, band, they were musicians. They were not actors. They were not comedians. They were musicians. They were good musicians they were award-winning musicians musicians Mm -hmm. in their own right that literally did change the course of music history with all the recording they did Mm -hmm. and it it just shows that the the stage presence of the blues brothers combined with these top-notch musicians put together such a show that if you if ever COVID ends and the blues brothers happen to be touring again i definitely worth the 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 uh, cost of entry it was such a fun time and i had a great time it was fantastic and you know what i'm always kind of like a i don't care about new year's it's just an it's just a numbers thing you know the odometer has to roll over every year mm-hmm. you know just happens to be january 1st it could you know could be january 31st that we buy new calendars but now it's no it's january 1st so i don't really care i never really got that it was a celebration Ooh, we get to buy new calendars i have to do a, an audit for the year uh at my bank um but when i was in that room they just turned it into a party and i i i get going to a a, a new year's uh presentation like that it was a it was a hell of a show and uh i, I can't awesome. wait to do it yeah. again whether it's with them or somebody else so yeah. I, I think what you're speaking of too, just like the merging of the musicianship with the comedians, just like how can it not be right. a highly entertaining group to watch and like high energy and something well, you know, that keeps your attention for an hour and a half or two hours. Yeah, and it and it goes back to like, you know, musicians used to have a uh you know, a sense of humor about everything. Sure they're they're serious musicians, but you know, Bing Crosby, uh, all these old guys, you know, Frank Sinatra, for love of God, he, he, he could laugh at himself, you know? And uh, they, it seems like a lot of musicians these days, even though they're wearing ripped jeans or, or whatever, you know, just outlandish costumes in their in their presentation, 
They take their art so seriously that you have to listen to this art and you can't crack a smile. And I think we need a little bit of winking to the crowd, you know. And that's exactly what the Blues Brothers did. They, you know, they broke the fourth wall. They let you in to the part of the performance. Even though you weren't up there on stage, you almost felt like you were part of them because they were giving yeah, you the wink. Definitely. And I think you totally get that feeling in the movie, too. Like, the big concert they do at the end. Oh, yeah. Like, it's so hard to not sing along with the group. Right. And like start dancing. I'm pretty sure I learned how to dance from that movie too. Just watching Jake <laughs> and Owen. <laughs> Those are my dance moves. <laughs> it's called the white yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I told you before I had something about that record collection. Yeah. And uh, I don't mean to go out on like a sad note, but I was watching that John Belushi uh, documentary and so John Belushi was big into the blues and he was kind of trying to find himself as an actor after SNL, after uh, separating kind of painfully, uh, you know, with SNL uh, and having a couple of flops, trying to recenter his career and struggling with depression and drug use. And he was starting to listen to punk music and perform with punk bands on stage. And there's nothing wrong with punk bands. But one of the things I was watching this and I almost rolled a tear. He, apparently he was at some band, bar one time and the guy's like, ah, oh, you, you like punk music, too? I thought you had that huge uh, blues record collection. Which what are you doing with that? And he's like, oh, you want that? Yeah, you can have it. I don't listen to that shit anymore. I was just like, oh, John, no, say it ain't so, John. Wait, years. Was that like right before he died? Yeah. Um, so 82. He was he was. You know, he started uh, fooling around with uh, heroin. Mm -hmm. You know, he's taking cocaine and he was life of the party and he was writing and he was partying nonstop and doing these things and getting paid a bunch of money and then decided that, you know, heroin is a way to open up even more potential and, uh, you know, found some people doing that and ended up thinking that it was a good idea for a movie role to to kind of, uh, you know, from from what I've heard, experiment with uh heroin and cocaine at the same time and like kind of make a weekend or just being like a total heroin addict and uh and that's the weekend he died mm. so yeah no no fun not a good thing and and that was really kind of a pall for the entire uh new york community i heard like uh you know all kinds of drug use was going on at the time especially mm -hmm. uh especially cocaine but heroin was kind of coming in big and i know mm -hmm. uh um, you know, people were, you know, trying to help him out, but he kept kind of coming back to it and coming back. And, uh, you know, he had, he had an addictive, uh, personality, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, you can kind of see in his thing, you know, blues was big and then he dropped it and he was on to, you know, he was on to something else. He was on to punk and, uh, you know, he just had to keep moving. And uh, yeah, it's sad. I wish we, I wish we still had John Belushi around again. Like I said, I think he's one of the, one of the great comedic talents that we'll see in our lifetime. And yeah, uh, definitely. I also wonder, like, not discounting him at all. I also wonder, like, how much bigger the Blues Brothers are today because John 
died like two years after. Yeah, there is that. The movie I've always, came out and said just like yeah. the, this like legendary status. Yeah, like they John had Lennon these... died two years before that, and he has such a huge status. Yeah, four years, and you know they were kind of like on top for four years. Yeah, because like I can't remember. It was like his girlfriend was saying he had a number one selling album. He he had songs charting. He had a sold out concert. Uh, mm-hmm. and then he had the number one movie in, in a span of three years. Yeah. It's insane. And, and, you know, how can you not think you're a God at that point? Mm-hmm. Um, and then he died and you just mm-hmm. talk about going out on top. Uh, but it was, yeah, horrible to, to have that end. But like you said, mm-hmm. it's always, it's always interesting, like, because, uh, you know, I've always been a big B.B. King fan, and he had a mm-hmm. very long career and kind of at the end. Last time I saw B.B. King, um, I wish I hadn't, you know. Mm. The first couple times, I was like, well, he's kind of old. I hope this is good. And it was. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then, like, one year's time between that the last second to last time and the last time I saw him, and, man, I wish I had not seen that. He, mm. he, had, mm-hmm. he, just, he was just, he was gone. He should have been on a rocking chair, you know. He should have been enjoying yeah. his life because it, it was more of an oddity just to see the man who used to play for kings and queens, and mm-hmm. and now he's sitting in a chair. And you know, if he wanted to just tell stories, that'd be fine. But he didn't have, you know, he didn't have his guitar chops anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you, you kind of see these artists that kind of go out when they're on the top, like like Hendrix. And I re- I respect a lot of what Hendrix did, but I don't. He's always held out as like the top guitar player. And, you know, I just wonder because there's some recordings of Hendrix that really kind of show some of his weaknesses. Because as far as like playing with like all kinds of like, you know, fuzz and things like that and really, you know, trying to expand what could be done with a guitar in 1968. Yeah, he was top of the world. But as far as like a, a top notch player who could just, you know, play the entire neck of the guitar and never make a mistake i don't know he wasn't that uh but he died you know at the at the peak of his powers so you know mm-hmm. what are you gonna say yeah, uh, yeah it's just sad to see lose a uh, great artist at the peak of the power and uh but that's why we still have recordings and we still watch them on videos we still watch their mm-hmm. movies so uh, i don't know you have anything else dj I don't really think so. I think we covered quite a bit. Yeah. Um, oh, I guess we could. The only other thing I was going to bring up is, speaking of artists who get around everywhere, um, Blues Brothers 2000, don't watch yeah. it. But <laughs> but no, Eric it, Clap. Well, I, I mean, you can watch it, but it's a bit of a letdown from the original. But like it's a sequel 20 years later. They're trying yeah. to do something different. But... Um, Eric Clapton's in it, which is like, what the heck? But then it kind of makes sense because Eric Clapton, um, Carrie and I have figured it out he's kind of the guy who's been like, he just showed up wherever and like with yeah. whatever group. Because all these music documentaries that are coming out now about the 60s and 70s, like Eric Clapton's pretty much in everyone. Yeah. He's just a guy that like got around and yeah, yeah. like has phenomenal blues chops and stuff. Um, and there's a really interesting book. I wish I could think of the name of it. Um, this is very vague, but if I if I can think of the name of it, I'll figure out a way to share it. But it talks about like Eric Clapton specifically, and like even groups like the Rolling Stones, 
And like Barry, you were talking about earlier, um, like John Belushi, like living into the blues lifestyle yeah. and like what this book does, what this scholar does, he kind of unpacks like this myth of like the blues musician or blues singer as someone who's a completely like lost, troubled soul who's either strung up or drunk most of the time. And like just unpacks it by looking at some of the early blues musicians, like, um, why can't I think of them? I said like Muddy Waters before, but who's the guy who traded his, um, Robert Johnson. Yeah. Robert, yeah Johnson. Robert Johnson. So people like him, like that era of the blues and just like looking at their lives and seeing that, well, they kind of did some of the stuff, but it was like those, it was their music that spoke to this lifestyle. And it was like the music and like these parts of their lives that mm -hmm. the rockers in the sixties really grasped onto and like shaped their identity around, like thinking they were emulating these guys, even though that's right. not really what they were like in real life. So then you have this association because of people like Eric Clapton who sing songs called cocaine and like live this crazy lifestyle that all blues musicians live like this. So it was just, it's an interesting book. Um, like I said, I wish I could think of the name of it, but it's, I just thought it was kind of a unique argument. Yeah. Um, no, I, I kind of, I kind of think that too, because sometimes you read into this music and you kind of think you get a, like a window into the soul of the performer. Yeah. But like take the song, me and Bobby McGee, especially if you hear it sung by Janis Joplin, just, just like rips into your heart and like, Oh my God, the struggle, you know? And then you realize, okay, well, Chris Christopherson actually wrote that. And then you hear the interviews oh, wow. and like Chris Christopherson wrote that after his producer said, Hey, Chris, Bobby McGee, do something with that name. And he's like, uh, okay. He came back after a mm -hmm. weekend and said, here, here's a country song, me and Bobby McGee. And yeah, it's, uh, so it was, it's like, it really, it, it's just complete apparition. You know, it, he wrote it, Chris Christopherson wrote it off of a, a whim of a music producer when he was early in his career and, and then it, it took off and had a life of its own. So, yeah. 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 The genesis of music is not always that this person is living the hard truth and like has lost somebody they loved, you know. It's could be just a music producer said, "Hey, yeah. write a song about this." But then there are the sad I mean, stories of you know yeah. of real musicians who are you know die to, due to uh, drug or alcohol or other things. And you know, I mean, I it's like one of the saddest things is um, today. I cannot remember anybody's name to, to help. To, I don't know. Same um, thing's happening to me. While you're thinking, while you're thinking of that, I think if I remember right, the book is called Crossroads: How the yeah. Blues Shaped Rock and Roll and Rock Saved the Blues. I could be wrong on that, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is, just from my memory and a quick Google search. But yeah, um, one other thing too, and like I didn't know this until I was just researching a little bit before this um, episode, but Howard Shore was, uh -huh. he was the composer who 
wrote the theme song for SNL, but he came up with the name The Blues Brothers. Oh, did he? And that's, like, pretty crazy, because, like, this is a guy who, like, he wrote, he's, like, I know him because he's the guy who composed the music for the Lord of the Rings movies. (laughs) So someone who's, like, huge in Hollywood, like, in this, like, 20 years later, but he's just, like, one of these guys, and, like, that's kind of the spirit of the Blues Brothers, that it makes sense, like, this highly successful composer would be hanging out with these guys and like be like hey you should call the band this name yeah like reminds me a lot of like traveling wilburys and yeah just you get these like yeah well, phenomenal of course it reminds you of together the traveling and, yeah of course everything reminds yeah. you of the traveling <laughs> uh no i was thinking of stevie ray vaughn who had oh, okay. a horrible alcohol and drug problem cleaned himself up and then died in a helicopter accident well mm trying to take a helicopter to his hotel in Chicago from a ski area, which is actually just a couple miles from my, my uh, friend's house mm. in uh, Wisconsin. So, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, but anyway, I think, uh, moral of the story, go see a live act as soon as you can, because yeah. man, that's how we live. That's how you stay alive and stay connected. Yep. yep. Well, for uh, Black Door Music Argument, I'm Barry. I'm DJ. Have a great week. If you like this episode, we are so sorry. But this has been the Black Door Music Argument, where opinions are always welcome. But are probably wrong. Including mine. We provide the best research Wikipedia offers. So tell all of your friends and your mistress. Or your mansters. Or your other token female friends. But not your grandma. Unless your grandma's fucking cool. Make sure to rate and review us on iTunes. Look for us on Instagram. We're not on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. Okay, Boomer. Talk about us on MySpace. Or Friendster. Stop trying to out MySpace me. And always remember to clear your browser history. But most of all. Especially important. Super crucial. The ultimate. Baby, Baby, it's cold outside. outside.